Happy Thanksgiving. Listen, grab your turkey, eat that green bean casserole and your mother's mashed potatoes, drink some sweet tea or whatever else treats you nice. But then for dessert, it ain't pumpkin pie and it ain't pecan pie. We get Carolina basketball on Thanksgiving afternoon. It don't get much better than that. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, November 24th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making our show your first watch or listen of the day. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second of your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, folks, so. Yesterday on Wednesday show, Coach Pat Kilby and I prepared you for the whole Phil Knight Invitational, the whole tournament. So today I want to drill in on and specify in on this first game, the game against Portland. Here's the single most important thing you need to know about this game. You ready? It's it's groundbreaking. It's earth shattering. There is nothing Portland can do to beat the Tar Heels. There are, however, a couple things the Tar Heels can do to beat the Tar Heels. You feel me on that? Yes. Let me give you those three things. Obviously, I'm sure you could identify more. In fact, I'd love to know what you would identify as some things that the Tar Heels could do um, to cause this upset to happen. But I'm just going to give you three that are kind of high picture stuff. And then I want to say four things for you that I'm very specifically looking for in the game itself. So here are three things the Tar Heels could do to beat the Tar Heels. Number one, not be dialed in and ready. This game tips off at 10 a.m. local time. It's 1 p.m. back on the East Coast. But in Portland, Carolina tips off at 10 a.m., Now, a lot of times in that scenario, in an event, it's like, well, that's fine because the other team is in a weird scenario too. Not this opponent. It's Portland. They're at home, basically, right? Playing in the Moda Center where the Trailblazers play. They're used to Pacific time zone. They're going to be ready. North Carolina better be as well. That is a rough tip. If you listen to Tuesday's show, you heard me say that one of my five goals for this team is to get 1% better every day. And one of the things that I included in that is being ready from the tip, from the get-go, whether it's practice, game, whatever it may be, you got to be dialed in, you got to be locked in. And that certainly includes being ready for a 10 a.m. tip time on Thanksgiving against Portland, who is currently 130th at Ken Palm. You got to be ready to go. Number two, one of the ways that North Carolina can beat North Carolina is in this game is to be focused on Thanksgiving. Man, again, this is Thanksgiving Day, Thursday. I know the majority of the people out there, they're going to either be having this on in the background while they're eating or DVR it and watch it after they eat, or maybe it's during dessert like I talked about earlier. But f- for the team, for the Tar Heels, No time for the Macy's parade. No time for the dog show that comes after it. No time for thinking about the Thanksgiving food that they're going to eat. There will be time for all of that after the game. Remember, the game will finish sometime in the noon hour locally. 
you can go eat and have your merry Thanksgiving meal at any point that afternoon or evening, and I'm sure the team will do exactly that. But then, here's the other thing. Win or lose, even though it is Thanksgiving, you got to come back and do it all over again tomorrow against either Iowa State or Villanova. So, for Carolina, one of the other ways they can beat themselves is to dwell on the Thanksgiving of it all. The third thing that the Tar Heels can do to beat the Tar Heels is to forget that this is a business trip. And I'm not saying the team has to be all serious all the time. And in fact, that's one of the things I loved a lot about this unit last March as they were on their incredible run is they just had a great time. They enjoyed each other's company. They remembered that they get to play a game of basketball, right? And just enjoy that. But at the same time, one of the things they did a great job of recognizing was that when it was go time, it was go time. And that's going to be tough to do because again, you're in Portland, it's Thanksgiving day, it's 10 a.m., but you are here on a business trip. You are here to take care of the matter at hand. And so when, when it's time to be locked in and doubted and ready, you darn well better be because the other team is going to be, Portland will be. Now, here's the truth of the matter. Again, even if the Heels do any of those three things I just listed, they're not going to lose this game. They might win it by a lesser margin. I mean, now, now hear me, I'm not an idiot. I know the Tar Heels can technically in, in, in all reality lose this game, but they're not going to. The only question is by how much do they beat Portland? It's kind of like when you play Chaminade in the Maui Invitational, although I know Ralph Sampson in Virginia famously lost to Chaminade. This is the biggest national moment the number one team in the nation has had so far this year. And I know there will be more of those tomorrow on uh, Friday and again on Sunday in the championship or or whatever round you're playing in for um, the PKI. But I and the nation need to see Carolina come out and build on what they did against James Madison on Sunday. The most complete game of the season thus far. Was it totally complete? No, there was a lull in the second half, but it was the most complete game thus far this season. I think we can all agree on that. So how does how do the Tar Heels privilege, uh, how, do, how do they build on that, excuse me, is what I'm looking for. The reason I just said privilege is because what I wanted to say is unlike the other teams in in this bracket and in this tournament, they've got the privilege of essentially a tune-up game in in a national multi-team event with high-level teams all over the place. Most teams don't have that, right? You, You look across the bracket and see some of these teams that have to play each other, and it's like, okay, Alabama and Michigan State in the first round. Yikes, right? So Carolina has has the privilege of this built-in tune-up before the semifinals and finals. You got to take advantage of that against Portland. How so? Well, here are four specifics for me to help make that happen, to help take advantage of having this tune-up. Number one, Armando Baycott has to be Armando Baycott. And boy, was he against James Madison. But as, as we are all probably painfully aware, he's just quite frankly not been the first three games of the season. He's been f- fine, solid, but he's not been Armando Baycott. He was in a big way against James Madison. Now you got to build on it. You got to do it back-to-back games. That's one of the things I'm looking for. Number two, I want to see RJ Davis and Caleb Love combined to make 40% or more of their three-pointers. 
this team, as we talked about on yesterday's show with Coach Pat Kilby, is struggling from the three-point line. Uh, 11 percentage points coming into the Portland game lower than the team was last year at the same point four games into the season. To me, that has to start with RJ and Caleb. This is one of the areas where you really miss Brady Manick. Just, it, it is a fact. Number three, Puff Johnson, how is he fully worked into the mix of this team? You saw him come off the bench, have the sixth most minutes behind the starters against James Madison. So now that this will be game two, what does it look like? Is it the same kind of usage? Is it the same kind of minutes? Uh, does he build on his minutes? Does he um, grow in his statistical help in the game? Do we begin to see more of national championship game Puff Johnson? What does that look like? So part of that for me is between Puff Johnson and the rest of the bench, I want to see at least 10 bench points in this game. I will specifically be watching that number. And then fourthly, a specific to make it happen where you utilize the advantage you have of this being a tune-up game, is Carolina for the first time all season against James Madison assisted on 50% or more of their made field goals. I want to see that happen again because I've said it a lot, but Carolina is at their best when they are assisting and helping out one another. And that's when this offense is unbeatable. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to see. Man, folks, how on earth is it this time already? The last regular season football game is on Black Friday. And last year's edition of that against NC State was very much a Black Friday. How do the Tar Heels avoid the same fate this year? I'll tell you in just a minute. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet On line bet online is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer world cups going on right now and esports they've got it all at bet online make sure you check out even though drake may had that kind of clunker of a game last week that we just talked about still has some decent heisman odds make sure you look at those on bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action bet online where the game starts hard to believe that after a season of having mr anthony pagnana on we get to the final regular season game of the year i can't believe how this season has flown by with just a speed bump or two here or there. But here we go. It's Thanksgiving Day, a game preview for tomorrow's Carolina and NC State. Anthony Pagnata, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, man. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Um, and I could not be uh, more excited to talk some Tar Heel football on Thanksgiving. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I wish we were in a little bit better spirits, but I will say, uh, as I always am, I'm thankful for uh, Tar Heel Athletics and, and being the football guy that I am, I'm especially thankful for Tar Heel football. That's very well said. Very well said. Yes, we had a national championship in Carolina Athletics this past week, and we have the potential on Friday to have a Carolina team not only get revenge against last season's NC State, I don't even know what I'm going to call that, revenge from dropping that game last week, but also getting to 10 wins in the regular season. Anthony, if I had offered you a 10-2 and two regular season before the Florida A&M game ever kicked off, what would you have said to me? 
Uh, I mean, I would have said, what is your price and where do I sign? Um, because I, especially coming off of last year, I think anybody would have taken that. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the stance that you have to take. I mean, look, I, I, the other night after the game, yeah, it, it definitely seemed like this, this was tough to rebound from. And I think that it's going to be a part of the story for this season. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be one that's going to be looked back upon throughout the offseason. Mac Brown will continue to use as a learning moment. But, yeah, if you told me that this team gets to 10 wins this season, um, especially in the regular season, I would have told you that you're crazy. Or I would have told you that, I mean, it, we, you just have something special in Drake May. Um, probably a combination of both, to be honest with you, because even with how special he was, I don't know if we thought that he would be this good to carry Carolina uh, to where they're at, even at this point right now. But yeah, if they can get to 10 wins in the regular season, I think you're talking about one of the best coaching jobs that you've seen from a Carolina head coach and what Mac Brown has been able to do to sort of turn everything uh, back from where they were last season, where people were wondering, you know, is it, is it really going to end up working out for Mac Brown? in his second state at Carolina. Man, that's a great question. And, and that leads me to ask you then, speaking of Mac Brown, what does he do in this week? You've got a short week. You're coming off this Georgia Tech, just frankly, disappointment. I mean, just to put it very bluntly, like what do you do in a short week where you know you got Thanksgiving and then you play the next day to prepare yourself for a game that you've been looking forward to for about 365 days approximately and uh, to prepare yourself, but also to overcome what just happened last Saturday at home against Georgia Tech. Yeah. I mean, it look, it's tough, but I think you're kind of just trying to build your guys up because you got some guys that are definitely down uh, after last week. Josh Downs is one of them for sure. Drake may, um, you know, I don't know exactly how Drake May feels. Drake May, we've heard about him being one of the most competitive human beings out there. And Josh Downs as well um, is extremely competitive. But at the same time, for him to have a moment like that, you saw after the game how much it affected him. So if yeah. you're Mac Brown, you're really trying to build your guys up. You're really trying to say, hey, look, that was a momentary lapse. To be honest with you, you're probably going back to years prior and saying, look, we had these moments. To me, I'd go back to 2020, and I'd say, look, we had these moments against Florida State and Virginia that year, and we bounced back both times. we got to do the same thing this time around. And even you, you can go back to some of the teams that he had in the 90s, very similar, where they would have setbacks, and Carolina always found a way to bounce back. So if I'm Mac Brown, I'm pulling off of my past experiences, I'm building my team up, and – you know, I'm, I'm speaking with my coordinators, mainly Phil Longo, and saying, look, what do we have to do to try to get a, get a, a better game plan? What do we have to do to try to be able to move the football a little bit better in this game? Because what we saw last game, that's just not going to get it done, and we can't have a repeat performance against rival NC State. Man, that's very well said and all very true. And even in all of that, let me ask you this question. Is there any world or is there any way in which that loss is a benefit for this team? I think so. I think if you're just looking at this game in particular, 
Um, this is probably a benefit for this team because you already had motivation going into this game based on what happened last year. Um, Drake May is a guy that came out in the media and said, you know, what he said earlier um, this season about NC State. So he's yeah. a guy that you already know has disdain for NC State. He grew up rooting against them because he is a Tar Heel legacy. And he's a guy that's also uber competitive. So this was going to be a big deal for him regardless. Now you talk about him coming off of his worst performance of the season, the Tar Heel offense coming off of their worst performance of the season, and really for the first time this year. And I know, look, there, there have been you know issues throughout the year defensively, but a defense that for the first time all season did not execute in clutch, in, in clutch time when they needed to. Yeah. So all of those, I think you're going to have extra motivation in this game. And I really do think that this, this serves Carolina well for this game in particular. Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all about what the end result is in this game. This, this game kind of, kind of tells you what the mindset is going to be, I think, around Carolina football once the season ends, because if they win this game on Saturday, I feel like a lot of people are still going to feel like this was a really, really good season. They're going to be extremely positive. If they lose, barring them going to Charlotte and then pulling a what would be a, a pretty huge upset over Clemson, you would imagine that people are people are going to be. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say angry about the season, but it's not going to feel quite as good as many yep. people thought it yep. was going to feel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, on a on a different level, it's similar to how many people remember Carolina losing to Duke at home in basketball last year because of what happened at Cameron and because of what happened in New Orleans in the final yep. four, right? Obviously, in our in our minds, we know that loss occurred, but it's gone and wiped and erased because of what you did to Duke later on and the same can be true here Georgia Tech can just be a blip on the radar of this season would that win have been nice absolutely but if you take care of business against NC State for a full 60 minutes as we learned well last year then uh, we will be in much better position heading into the ACC championship game the next week against Clemson and before we do that, we got to get ourselves more specifically ready for this NC State game. So Anthony and I are going to look at what are the two things we want to see when Carolina has the ball? What are the two things we're looking for when NC State has the ball? And of course, we can't get out of here with making our game predictions. All right, Anthony. So let's get down to the nitty gritty of this game. We've looked at kind of these big picture storylines that we all need to be aware of. Uh, and really, frankly, no one needs to be told at this point, right? We know it's NC State, it's North Carolina, mm-hmm. it's Black Friday. You got to take care of business and head into the ACC championship game with momentum. In order to do that, what are two things you're watching for when Carolina has the ball? Well, first, it's how does this offensive line bounce back? We talked mm-hmm. a lot about Drake May struggling. We talked a lot about Josh Downs having an off night. Well, this offensive line, for the first time since, uh, really since last year, this unit, I I mean, was one that you could not trust at all. I know that they had moments. I mean, look, Miami earlier this season on the road wasn't great. Carolina allowed five sacks in that game, nine tackles for loss. 
But even in that game, there were moments where it felt like Drake May was able to settle himself in and make plays. It never felt like that on Saturday night. Um, I mean, you hit the big play with Elijah Green off the bat. Um, You know, you had a a couple other drives in that first half where you were able to drive the field a little bit. But even still, you know, I mean, look at the look at the second drive of the game where Carolina drives down the field. It was one big play to Gavin Blackwell. There was just no time in the pocket at all for Drake. He's a guy that, you know, got off. Uh, you know, just he, he got out of sorts and it looked like a red shirt freshman and you can't blame him when your offensive line is struggling that bad. This group's got to bounce back yeah, and it starts do. at the right side of that offensive line. They have really been struggling here as the season has gone along. They have worn down and these last two weeks, both William Barnes and Spencer Rowland have really, really struggled in pass protection. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I think there's a chance, and, and this is what the staff should be looking at, and if William Barnes comes out and struggles again, we've seen Jonathan Adorno. He's played significant say, yeah. reps. Yep. He struggles that much. you got to put Adorno in there. Absolutely. there can, th- th- this is a game you in, in Carolina's mind, you cannot lose this game. You need to win this football game. So I want to see this offensive line step up to the plate and if there is still a guy struggling, I want to see. I, I want to see some of the guys rotating. Yeah. Let's try something different. Let's see if we can't, you know, find a solution here. Because if you can't protect Drake May, you're not going to have a chance in this game. And then the second thing that I want to see is: does this offense get back to looking sort of like it did, you know, prior to uh, last week with Antoine Green back in the lineup? I thought it was very, very noticeable with him out of the lineup the yes, other sir. night. And look. I thought Gavin Blackwell, he made two plays, and both of them were big. But outside of that, he didn't really do much. He didn't create a lot of separation. J.J. Jones, he got off to a good start to the year, but he has been really, really silent here since Antoine Green made his return. And the other night when Carolina needed him to step up, he had just one catch for nine yards and, again, struggled to create the separation that he needed to. How does this group look? This group of pass catchers too, because it's not. It wasn't just the receivers. No, it, it was also the tight ends. I know Bryson Nesbitt four catches, eighty-five yards, but he also had a key drop. Does this group get back to looking like the group that we know is uber talented? Is one that we've raved so much about throughout this entire season? Can they get back to being that group that Drake may can trust and that can help this Carolina offense get back to being one of the more lethal units in the entire nation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Bryson Nesbitt also had a big hold in the game Saturday, Anthony. You saw that too, right? I did not. I don't know what, I don't know what they were talking about. Um, I am so glad that they submitted that to the league office. Look, there have been some really, really bad calls. A team that you're playing on Saturday night, they were on the end of a questionable call against BC. That holding call on Bryson Nesbitt is truly one of the worst penalties I've ever seen at any level of football. I've never seen a dude getting slammed into the ground on a pancake move from a defender and be called for a holding. Um, It's always been a problem, ACC refs, but that is one of the most egregious things I've ever seen. And yes, it's it's not – Carolina should not have even been in the game at that point with Georgia Tech. They should have kept the foot on the gas, and they should have been able to pull away from that team. But I think if if they would have – 
if they would have called that the way they were supposed to, which was no penalty, Carolina, I believe, wins the game because the momentum would have been back in their favor. That's so, right. yes, that was they still a had the lead at that point. It was still 17-14 at that point. Yes, it would, they would, would have been back to a 10-point 10, a 10 lead. Momentum would have shifted back to Carolina. I truly believe in the end, Carolina probably wins 31-14, something like that. It's probably a pretty comfortable win as well. But, hey, look, the refs got involved in that one. But it's your own fault for not having that's put right. enough distance between that's you right. at that point. Absolutely. That's that's well said. I think that is the best and most appropriate way to talk about that. It was the wrong call, mm-hmm. but it should not have been a call that cost you a football game against Georgia Tech in 2022. Yep. Now, moving to the other side of the ball, as you said earlier, all season long, Carolina has put themselves in a position where the defense has to make some kind of drastic or big or um, momentum-shifting play. And for the first time, they weren't able to. In fact, had three opportunities on that final Georgia Tech drive to get off the field on third down, including mm-hmm. a third and nine draw that they gave up a first down. And you just you just can't have that. How can this defensive group bounce back? What are you watching for when NC State has the football? Well, first, it's, you know, what is – I, I, I go back to it so often, but it all starts up front. What does Carolina's defensive line have for NC State's offensive line? Yeah. And look, they've really, really struggled since that Pittsburgh second half. And it's against offensive lines that are not good. There is no way around it. They have faced three, probably the three worst offensive lines that they have faced the entire season, at least coming into those games. Yeah, this is a game that you got to put everything into. It's a rivalry matchup. There, you know, it, look. I, I think one of the issues that they've had is that they have stopped rotating. They got back to it a little bit the other night against Georgia Tech, but I think they have to try to keep this group as fresh as they can. But you've got to see energy from these guys the entire night. Look, this is one where if you if you bring the energy. And you can play physical football like you had to play against Pittsburgh. This is an offensive line that's gettable. This this NC State offensive line isn't as good as the ones that we've seen in years past. Really on both sides of the ball in the trenches. This that's is true. not a group that's as good as they've been the last few years. So, look, it, it's, it all starts up there. I, I get it. At this point, I, I'm not expecting this group to get to the quarterback all that often, but just provide some sort of consistent pressure. Ben Finley's not a dude that's going to hurt you with his legs. That's who it looks like is going to start. Jack Chambers is also potentially the guy that they could start. But Ben Finley came in in the middle of the game against Louisville and really was the only reason that NC State had any hope in that game at all. So he's probably going to start in this game. He's a pocket passer. So if you're Carolina, just do what you did against Pittsburgh. You, you were able to break down that Pittsburgh offensive line, which is a pretty solid one. And you, when, when we, we saw what happened when Keaton Slovis was under pressure, put everything you've got into this game and see what the result is. And then the other big thing for me is you got to get off the field on third down. That's right. It, it was a huge issue starting with the Virginia game, and it's carried over ever since. And in the Wake Forest game, look, it wasn't that Carolina didn't technically get off the field on third down. They could have. But 
Wake Forest was extremely aggressive. They went for it a lot on fourth down, and you allowed them into a lot of fourth and short situations. That's right. So it's important for Carolina, if you have a team in third and long, you need to make it fourth and long. Whatever it is, you do not want to give this NC State team a chance to keep your defense on the field, keep wearing your defense out. And as we've seen, when Carolina gives up these third down conversions, no matter how good things are going, it automatically seems to change the mindset of this team of, oh my God, here we go again. We're going <laughs> to continue to give up yards. It happened again the other night. They called timeout with 224 to go in the first half to try to get the ball back. You allow Georgia Tech to convert a third down. And after that, Georgia Tech drives right down the field and scores a touchdown. Multiple miscommunications on that drive. That completely changed the game. You have to avoid that in this game. Get off the field on third down and get it back to your offense. Yes, that is very well said and was very uh, evident as we talked about at the end of the Georgia Tech game as well. All right, so Anthony, let's make some predictions here. We both clearly wisely uh, did not take Carolina to cover that 21-point spread last weekend against Georgia Tech. Smaller spread, but still I think maybe a little too rich for my blood. Bet Online has this at North Carolina favored by six and a half and the over under set at 56. Well, I got Carolina and the points. Okay. Carolina. I like them to cover. Um, I think it'll be a backdoor cover. I think Carolina kind of kind of goes off in that fourth quarter again. That's been where Drake May shined. I think he does it again in this one. I think Carolina gets a couple of key stops late. Um, and I will go with the over very slightly, but I have Carolina 34-24 over the NC State Wolfpack. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to have to take those both as well. I, I was tempted to take Carolina to win but not yeah. cover. But, uh, you know, I, I just I, – maybe we gave them bad juju last week. So let's take, let's take Carolina to cover. And, yeah, that, that 56 is just too low for a Carolina offense – looking to get back on it this weekend. So make sure you get this Carolina Tar Heels NC State Wolfpack game queued up on Friday afternoon. And boy, then also be ready because there's going to be another basketball game coming your way as well. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have a recap of Carolina's first game from the PKI, and we're going to have a preview of the second game, either against Iowa State or Villanova. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Anthony at HTB Anthony. And please make sure you also check out his Heel Tough blog. It is great stuff there. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Thanks for making the show your first listen. For your second listen, let us encourage you to check out Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Very seriously, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Make sure you get that pecan pie because it's the best Thanksgiving dessert, and you all know it's true. Don't at me. Friends, don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, leave some comments, unless you're commenting about my dessert comment, in which case, shut your face. Thanks so much for spending part of your Thanksgiving hanging out with me, hanging out with our guy, Anthony Pagnotta. 
It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. A very thankful day to be a Tar Heel as well, I might add. Hey, until tomorrow, peace. Peace.